Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to Off The Bench. A big good afternoon and welcome to Off The Bench. The finals are underway. We've had Richmond winning comfortably over Hawthorne last night. We've got an elimination final tonight between Geelong and Melbourne. And the weekend is here. Paul Hazelby has a big grin on his face. We can't wait for the finals to roll on. And we've got so much to get through, Hayes. Great to have your company once again. Great to be with you again, Ben. You're excited. I'm excited. The finals are here. But I'm not quite certain that's the reason that you're up and about this today (laughs) because you had a date last night that went very well, I understand. It went well. It was a a date. I had to work it around the footy, which is unique. But uh, we're not going to speak about that, Hayes. Nobody cares. Nobody's interested. (laughs) They want us to move on. But uh, I did hear an interesting story during the week. Uh, Speaking of relationships and all that sort of stuff, I bumped into one of my my good mates at the shops and he was shopping with his wife last Saturday afternoon and we had a bit of a chat and we were talking about the uh, the West Coast Eagles game coming up on Saturday night and he's a West Coast Eagles fan and his wife offered up that he had asked her whether she could leave the house with the kids for three and a half hours and give him some clean air to watch the game in peace and I quote, watch the game in peace. Is that acceptable behaviour, do you think, Paul Hazelby? I think it is. He's entitled to do that. Now, whether his wife accepts that invitation, that's a different story. But it happened to me last night with my own kids. They had the main TV. They were watching cartoons. And I couldn't just come in and kick them out. So I had to go to the other room to watch the Richmond and Hawthorne blockbuster last night. I wouldn't feel comfortable asking my wife and kids to go out on a Friday night just so I can be at home alone. But I think he's entitled to ask the question. That's all you can do in life, Ben. Well, he's since got tickets to the game, so he doesn't have to worry about it anymore. He'll have the the clean air to go and watch Mm. the West Coast Eagles, but uh, he should remain nameless, but his name is uh, Talanka. Talanka. Talanka is a Sri Lankan, but his left arm off spin. He's a a good man, uh, is T-Bone, as we call him at the cricket club, but uh, there you have it. We've got uh, so much to get through, Hayes. We've got all of the AFL team news for the remaining games, Mm. the West Coast Eagles with some big, big ins, which a lot of people would know by now, but uh, you can run through your thoughts on that. We'll get your analysis of the game last night. We'll take a look forward to all of the games coming up and all of our favourites as well. We've got the dig. We've got a new uh, segment to look forward to, the high-pressure moment. So we'll get through all of that. We'll check in on the local footy and uh, have a chat about everything else going on in the world of sport because it was a big week for the Aussies. John Millman... He went on a giant killing run, but unfortunately Novak got him in the end. No, but he learns a lot from that, and he now would believe that he belongs at that level, and that's important for a sportsman to belong and get confidence, knowing that you can beat the very best. Didn't get the joker, but he did get the Fed Express. That's not a bad week. We normally start with a big call. Are you willing to make one here today? I am willing. I'm going to go with the GWS Giants. It hasn't all gone their way. They take on Sydney, and some will say that's not a massive call. They've got a few players back. They go in with a lot of injured players, and that's a risk. But I think at the SCG, where Sydney haven't been that good this year, I think they're going to go through to the next round of the finals. I'm a non-believer with Geelong. I don't think they're very good at all, but I am supremely confident that they'll be winning tonight. 
Geelong beating Melbourne? Yeah, I think they'll beat Melbourne tonight pretty comfortably. Lucky we're not playing the way to mm. tipping game this week because I would go against you on, against you on that one. I you think like Melbourne. The I've liked them for about eight weeks. Even when they were losing to the very best, I think they're putting it together at the right time. Great to have you with us here on Off the Bench. As we said, all of the AFL team news is coming up next and uh, so much more over the next couple of hours. You're listening to Off the Bench. Great to have you with us on this Friday afternoon, Paul Hazelby and myself, Ben Cameron. And as we like to do at this time, Hayes, we take a look at all of the teams for uh, the remaining matches in the round. And uh, still to come, we've got the D's taking on the Cats, in which we're going different ways. I think the Cats will win. You like the D's. We've got the uh, the Sydney Derby, not allowed to call it the Battle of the Bridge anymore, and the West Coast Eagles and Collingwood. And aren't there some big names that are back in for uh, a lot of these sides this weekend? And that's why I agree with the finals by the week before it does get underway, because it gives every team a chance to get their super players back. That's what we want to see, the very best playing in finals. But it starts tonight, blockbuster, Melbourne taking on the Cats. Melbourne have made two changes. Mitch Hannon and Jack Viney returns after being out for a long Long period of time with his foot injury. I've got concerns about that because they've been going very good. I know he's a contested animal, but I just don't know if you go in with a player in the midfield. When they have been going well, playing their best footy the last few weeks, out goes Jay Kennedy, Harrison, Dean Kent. How do you feel about Jack Viney's inclusion? I'm comfortable because I think he is a bit of a, a spiritual leader for the team with the way he goes after the footy and the way he hunts the footy. And I think they wouldn't pick him if they weren't absolutely certain he's ready to go. So I'm Fairly comfortable that they bring Jack Viney back in. He is one of my favourite players in the comp. What about these for big names? The Sydney Swans taking on the Giants. In for Sydney, Lance Franklin and Luke Parker. Out goes Jordan Dawson and Robbie Fox. Both have been omitted for the Giants. What about these names? Brett Deledio, Toby Green, Zach Williams and Matt DeBoer. All returned from injury. Aidan Bonart, Jeremy Finlayson, Lachlan Keefe, Daniel Lloyd. All omitted for the final series. It's good, isn't it? Everybody just throws caution to the wind. No time to be timid. It is the time for the bold and the brave. Franklin and Parker back in and uh, all of the big names at the Giants like Green, Delidio and Williams, who hasn't played for a long period of time. So good to see him back. And I just really hope Brett Delidio's body can hold Mm. up. I mean, it is one of the cruel stories in the sport at the moment that he was at Richmond for so long. He left. They won a flag. He couldn't watch the grand final last year. He's had so many issues with his body. I, I would love to see him win a flag. So uh, hopefully his body holds up. Yeah, that would be great. I'm not sure they're going to win the flag, but he has been a terrific player. And he was Richmond's best player for almost a decade and a miss out a year after he leaves. That was devastating for him. The big names keep coming. The West Coast Eagles taking on Collingwood. Lewis Jetta and Josh Kennedy returns. Oscar Allen omitted. Will Schofield also goes out. He's pretty unlucky, Will Schofield, because he's played a pretty important role. For Collingwood, what about these names? Tyson Goldsack, Jeremy Howe and Adam Trelaw come back in. Jack Madgen, Nathan Murphy and also Adam Oxley, the other player omitted. Tyson Goldsack is one of the great stories. Mm. He did his ACL in March in the preseason and has somehow been able to defy medical advice and science and history and fight his way back to play in a, uh, a qualifying final against the West Coast Eagles after doing his ACL in March. That is that is uh, a very, very good story for this weekend. Hopefully he gets through unscathed and plays well and um, I'm sure a lot of the West Coast Eagles fans will be saying not too well, but uh, great to see him back and 
hats off to Tyson Goldsack. And it was traditional surgery, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't the Lars. old Lars surgery that we've seen players come back in four or five months. So that is a terrific story. And they need him back in. He needs to shore up part of their defence, given some of the players that they've got, the West Coast Eagles. That's where it's going to be won and lost for mine, the West Coast Eagles forward line. I think they're going to be too strong for Collingwood, but looking forward to all the finals games. I tend to agree with you, uh, Paul Hayes. We will get your analysis on Richmond and Hawthorne last night. Where was the game won and lost when we come back? Here on Off the Bench. You're listening to Off the Bench. Woods, Lamb, Martin in an impossible position. Oh, no, it's not. It's dusty. That is one of the best goals you are ever likely to see. Dustin Martin running to the boundary line. Somehow, a right foot drop punt. He sneaks it through the smallest amount of daylight. I reckon Dustin Martin right now may be Dangerfield. Uh, and probably Gary Ablett Jr. are about the only three players that I can think of that may have kicked that goal. I'm not sure Dangerfield could do it. I don't think he's that mm. style of player, but certainly Gary Ablett has done it before. We saw that one down at Geelong Stadium, but there's only a few players in the competition that can angle the ball like that and get the right shape on it. He meant to do it. So many players would probably go with a banana kick in that situation, which is very difficult to do, but apparently practice that practices it all the time at the training sessions. He just walks towards the boundary line just before he goes off and puts it through. He nailed it. And it was a big time goal at the right moment because the Hawks were coming. They were pretty good in the first half, but they too had their own missed opportunities. It was a momentum killer, wasn't it? And Mm. it was our Gurney high-pressure cleaner moment available at Bunnings Warehouse. It was a big moment in the context of the game. It, It completely changed the dynamic I remember there was a comment made on the uh, the Channel 7 broadcast and that audio, courtesy of Channel 7, uh, where on a night like this, in a final like this, that goal's worth two or three, really. And, and it felt like that. It felt like the, the straw that broke the camel's back, didn't it? Absolutely. And it was on the back of a missed shot by Burgoyne, 10 metres out, and then also oh. Luke Bruce, who missed his. So you talk about high pressure. The difference in the game in the first half was Richmond took their opportunities and the Hawks did so much right but couldn't execute. And you're talking about two of the all-time superstars in their forward line. Burgoyne's been doing it for 350-odd games. And Bruce, we know he's a sharpshooter and All-Australian this year. And also Gunston was a bit down on the night as well. So that was probably the difference in the game. Game. I thought the Hawks did so much right in the first half. Their pressure, they go, they leave the game winning the contested possessions, the clearances, and the tackles against Richmond. That's pretty good. But they got smacked in inside 50, 66 to 37, and it was in that third quarter when it was like 21 to 2 for that period of time, just after half time. But I don't think they had their chance to control the ball like they normally do the Hawks. They only had 57 marks around the ground. They're a very good kicking team. Given the wet conditions, it probably played into the hands of Richmond. But they play an exciting brand, don't they, the Tigers? So many players pushing hard forward, and so many goals that come from ground level in their own forward line. Yeah, so you're going with the missed shots for Bruce Mm. and then also Silk Burgoyne and then the goal from uh, Dustin Martin as the Gurney high-pressure cleaner moment available at Bunnings Warehouse. Gurney gets the job done just like Dusty. I'm going to go with a a little different one as well here, Paul Hazelby, just off topic slightly, a small sidebar, but uh, John Millman, I think he saved 14 consecutive Mm. break points against Novak Djokovic. Now that is high-pressure stuff and the kind of stuff we love. So uh, well done to John Millman. But fantastic analysis there of the Hawks and Richmond. And as we say, Paul, 
Richmond just take you into deep water every game and drown you eventually, don't they? They do. They just they're changing the way footy is played. They're actually holding their players close to their forward line. They're all enjoying themselves. They know their role and they all play multiple positions. They do not re- rely on one player. Not even Dustin Martin. If he has a down day, they can still win. Jack Rewalt has a down day. Doesn't kick any goals. They still win comfortably by 31 points against a very good challenger in the Hawks. And off the field, I think they're changing so many different things. I want to talk about that a bit later in the show. Yeah, we'll certainly get to that. They're doing so many things well down there at uh, at Punt Road. A lot more to come. Some of the other sports news we'll run through next here on Off the Bench. You're listening to Off the Bench. With the former Fremantle Dockers champion, uh, 2003 All-Australian, four-time Ross Glendinning medalist, Paul Hazelby. And Hayes, you want to finish off on Richmond, don't you? You think that there are a lot of things they're doing at Punt Road right that are culminating in their on-field success. I think they're changing the industry. I know there's a lot of concerns about the rule changes and where the game is headed. There's a lot of mental health issues within the game, but we know that the AFL is a copycat industry and every team should be having a look at the way the Richmond Tigers are going about their business on and off the field at the moment because they could learn a lot. You just see the environment that they've created. There's everybody there. They're comfortable in their own skin. We saw Jack Higgins after the game get interviewed. They're very comfortable with him coming out and just saying, here's two bobs worth. We've seen Trent Cochin admit to weakness across his own career, crying out for help almost. And they've all got vulnerabilities. They're working together. And the coaches embrace that. And to the point where the AFL was heading down a path where it was all about constructive criticism from peer feedback from your teammates. And sometimes it was very hard to Mm. take. And it actually had a big impact on your own mood, your own mental health. But right now, even in their assessment of their game, the Richmond coach refuses to actually show poor efforts on the vision to the teammates in front of the group. He'll actually sit them down one-on-one and go through that feedback to them rather than embarrass them in front of the group. Because I remember back to my own playing days, the worst time in footy was when you played a game, you lost, you knew you did some poor efforts and you're waiting until the review to come up Monday and you knew you were going to get shown. He's almost taking that anxiety out of it. And you can see it from the players, the way they're responding. They're all up and about. That's fascinating. I, I wasn't aware of, of that, and that is, uh, that's a pretty significant change, isn't it? I mm. mean, you speak to former players and current players, and they talk about the anxiety of going in on a Monday after a loss and how brutal it is. So uh, Richmond certainly reinventing the wheel. And sitting in front of your teammates and copying it from them, like the leadership groups have so much power nowadays, and they're actually giving one-on-one feedback, which, you know, has to be done in some capacity, but Richmond are changing the model. And I'd be surprised if every other club aren't looking at what they're doing on and off the field to make them better, Ben. And some of the other sport that is going on at the moment, the NRL finals get underway tonight. The Melbourne Storm take on the South Sydney Rabbitohs uh, this evening. Then tomorrow we've got a doubleheader, uh, the Panthers taking on the Warriors, so the Mountain Men against the Men from New Zealand, and the Roosters up against the Sharks, and then on Sunday the Broncos and the Dragons. So uh, some pretty uh, solid matchups to come in week one of the NRL finals. Who are you tipping there, Ben, to take it out this year? Uh, the Storm. Storm. I think the Storm are the best Again. team in it. They're my team, so uh, I don't know why I picked the Storm, but I like the Storm. I like the way they run. I like Bellamy. I like uh, Cooper Cronk, Billy Slater, and uh, Cam Smith. I know Cronk's no longer there, but uh, those were the reasons I got aboard. Uh, the US Open rolls on tomorrow morning. This will be some good viewing maybe when you wake up. 6 a.m. our time tomorrow. Rafael Nadal takes on one Martin Del Potro in the uh, semifinals, and... Uh, 
a little bit after that, you've also got Novak Djokovic against Kini Shikore. And uh, in the women's singles, already through to the uh, the final, Serena Williams with a win over Seva Stover, uh, 6-3, 6-love. So uh, a good win there for Serena through to another uh, slam final. She just continues to roll on, does Serena. And some of the other news, how's this? In the golf, the BMW Championship, the fans are going berserk, Hayes, because at the top of the leaderboard, Rory McIlroy and Tiger, Tiger. Woods. He is back, isn't he? He's this is back. great for the sport. Not that it went oh. through a bit of a lull, but obviously it's just made it more exciting. We've been waiting for the return of the king, and he's the best. I was reading some stuff about how much he's earned and what he's done with his money across the years. It looks like he's going to make plenty more if he continues this sort of form. So both at eight under par. That is a watching brief and uh, something to keep an eye on over the weekend. You're listening to Off the Bench. Great to have you with us. Paul Hayes will be in myself, Ben Cameron. You're listening to Off the Bench. Great to have you with us on this Friday afternoon. Paul Hazelby and myself, Ben Cameron. And Paul, some big news surrounding the AFLW competition and uh, the proposed format for the upcoming season early next year. What's it looking like? Explain it to me. It has been released. We know there's two new teams coming in, Geelong and North Melbourne, so that makes it a 10-team competition. A lot of the talk about was having nine games, so each team would play each other once. I can tell you that's not going to happen. It's going to be a seven round season where they're going to split into two conferences, conferences of five, and they're not going to be done by geography. They're going to be split evenly in regards to where teams finished last year, and I imagine there will be some geography put to it so that they don't have to travel too much. But then they'll have two weeks of finals. The season will start at the start of February, and the finals will start the first week of the AFL, and the grand final will be in round two of the AFL men's competition. I'm not sure about the conferences. Where do you sit at? You're big on American sport. We know they have the conferences over there. But with this conference system, it's likely to change from year to year, the teams that are in the mm. conference. I actually think that's quite an intelligent way of doing it with the uh, where the team's finished. But uh, does that mean that, so will one, three, five, seven, nine be in one conference and then two, four, six, eight be in another? Because you surely can't have the top half of the ladder and the bottom half of the ladder. That's not going to work. So I imagine it'd have to be a split like that, wouldn't it? Absolutely. They'll put some mm. of the best teams on one and the other, but yeah. you don't know with the two new comings in, coming, two new teams coming in, we don't know how good they're going to be. Surely one just goes to one and one goes to the other and then you just divide them up. And I think they then also look at some of the blockbuster games as well, some of the rivalries that have been built up over time so they can maximise that. Each team will play each other once inside their own conference, but then they'll actually venture out and play three teams from the other conference. And naturally, the top two teams from each conference will go through to the final series, of which there'll be a preliminary final this year. You were involved in the women's competition in its formative stages. You're an assistant down there at Fremantle. What do you think of it? Are you, you're not totally sold on the conference model, are you? No, I would have liked them to go to nine weeks and play each other once. And even if they only had seven games, then put them all together and just draw it out of the hat. So it's very fair on who they have to play. Nobody can argue about it there. But I just worry about the AFL's commitment to mm. the AFLW. The first year was unbelievable. The second year, you could see them hesitate a mm. little bit. It's probably not looking after itself as they would have hoped. But they were willingly threw so much money at the 
the Giants and the Gold Coast Suns expecting to lose money for 20 years. I think they need to do something similar with the AFLW or don't do it at all. I think you make a really good point. I think they sort of went into the women's competition somewhat half-baked mm. and they, they invested their money and, and they got the competition started. And then there was this groundswell of support they weren't really ready for. And now the competition's growing in power and strength and size and the AFL sort of has to match it. and They're not quite ready to or, or don't have the ability to at the moment, and it leaves them in a, a little bit of a bind. Timing's a bit of an issue too, when to do it, when to get the maximum exposure. I was really disappointed with AFLX last year when that was launched in that time when AFLW had just started. I thought that was disappointing from the AFL because you just need to maximise the exposure to get the big crowds. At some point in time, they need to start to stand on their own feet and start charging their members and also the supporters that come to the game. But I think the AFL should continue on, throw a lot of money at it for the next five to ten years and see where we are because already we're seeing the benefits around the league the growth in all the competitions has been fantastic put across through AFLX it is no good uh coming up next we've got the dig Paul Hazelby and myself who are we having a dig at next you're listening to off the bench and it's time for the dig Paul Hazelby dial before you dig the essential first step and you can go first who do you want to have a dig at I'm going to dig the West Coast Eagles I know they've got a big final coming up tomorrow but I was very disappointed with their alignment with East Perth and what they did to East Perth and their players in that final of which they lost to Claremont now Ben would it have been beneficial for East Perth to win that game so that the Eagles could have continued on putting their reserves players out on the park so that they could be full fitness, perhaps, for a chance to make an impact at the AFL final series? I would have thought that makes sense. You need your aligned side to keep going so that you can bring players back through there. But is there not a rule that they, they cannot unless they've played enough games to qualify anyway, though? Yeah, but you never know what injuries you might get. There's no certainty that Josh Kennedy and Lewis Jetta get through unscathed. But I was just disappointed to see in that final against Claremont, they had three players on managed minutes. So that means that they were only able to play a certain amount of time. And this is a final that you want to win. And I just think it's a massive slap in the face to the East Perth coaching staff. And I know Luke Webster is a part of the West Coast Eagles staff. But to the East Perth club, knowing that you can't have your best players available to play all the minutes in the big moment that's going to present in that final. And it did present. Oscar Allen kicked a goal in the six-minute mark of the last quarter to put them back within four points. And then, sure enough, he had to go to the bench. Claremont went bang, bang, bang. Game was done and dusted. So disappointed that they feel like they need to manage those minutes. What does 10 minutes mean? What, is, what difference is it going to make? I wouldn't have thought it makes much of a difference. None of those it? players are actually going to play in the game. It just stinks of the AFL clubs trying to control the waffle competition. They're doing a lot of damage at the moment. Yeah, I don't, I don't particularly like it. I think that's a point well made by you, Hayes. And uh, we will talk about the waffle a little bit more in the next hour here on Off the Bench. I'm having a dig at Virgin. Now, Collingwood last night, I love Virgin. They're a, a, a great airline who get me from A to B generally. But a group of 13 Collingwood players intended to fly on Thursday evening. And our man Mitch Cleary broke this story last night. Uh, they fly ahead of their teammates, so they like to get in a bit earlier for whatever reason. The rest of the team to fly on Friday morning. Now, they arrived at the airport around 4 p.m., which is obviously means that you would land in Perth at around 4 or 5. However, the flight was delayed. And they didn't get to their hotel here in Perth until well after midnight. So less than ideal preparation for those Collingwood players. 
who like to fly a little bit earlier. I couldn't think of anything better to happen to the Collingwood players because we've been dealing with this all the time, the interstate clubs that have to travel every second week. Collingwood only do it three or four times a year, so they should have got their own plane. They've got the money. They talk about them being a powerful club. Why haven't they chartered their own plane, Ben? Maybe they should have. That's what they do in the uh, in the US sport. Now, a lot more to come in the next hour, Hayes. We're going to talk about uh, the West Coast Eagles and Collingwood, a, a strong analysis of that match coming from your good self. We've got the waffle. We've got some local footy to get through, uh, some cricket news, and uh, lots of Australians doing some good things overseas. So we'll cover off all of that. And some Freo When focus. we come back. And a Freo focus as well. What is the future of Lockie Neal? And is there a, uh, a white knight set to ride into the club, a former champion who might be uh, returning to the fold in the football department? It's not you, Paul okay, Hazelby, but a former teammate of yours. We'll discuss that when we come back here on Off the Bench for your Friday Arvo. You're listening to Off the Bench. And the second hour of Off the Bench is coming at you here this afternoon on this Friday Arvo. Paul Hazelby, the uh, four-time Ross Glendinning medalist, to myself, Ben Cameron, running through everything in the world of sport. We've still got our West Coast Eagles focus, or our eagle eye, to come, our Frio focus, and... Uh, a lot of other things going on in sport, including the WAFL and some local footy as well. But, Paul, I want to talk about the Dockers. Lockie Neal, he went up to uh, Brisbane last weekend. He had a look around the club. He caught up with Chris Fagan. And it is very real that he could be wearing, uh, what is it, the maroon, blue and gold next year at the Brisbane Lions. Still very quiet at this point in time, the Lockie Neal camp. But news coming out today that Brisbane are also chasing Lincoln McCarthy, who is from Geelong, who's a good friend of Lockie Neal. From South Australia, came through in the same year. Drafted together. So they're putting in a lot of work to try and get Lockie Neal up there. Now, I'd be surprised if every club now isn't throwing something big at Lockie Neal. Why isn't Carlton throwing something big? Maybe looking at giving away their number one pick. He is at the ripe age of 25. He's very consistent. He's not worth the number one pick, though. Well, he's going to be worth number five pick. You don't reckon he's worth the number one? There is always a risk with number one pick. Yeah, I agree with that. But this draft is so loaded, and it could be a player like Jack Lacocious. It could be one of the King Twins. They reckon Rankin could be anything. Well, it looks like Carlton aren't going to take any of them. I don't think I'd... Yeah, they they like Walsh. Walsh. Yeah, I don't think I'd be giving up a top five pick this year for um, Lockie Neal. And I know that there's always risk involved, and you're right. It's always speculative, but not for me. Oh, I'd be doing it. He's 25. There is no risk in it, and he's playing his best footy, and I would be surprised if every club's not making an offer. And that makes it harder for the Fremantle Dockers to keep somebody like Lockie Neal. Of course, Adam Chera, good news down at the Dockers this week that he has committed to the club the to wool over all of our eyes, didn't he? No, he was very honest the whole way along, and I think we need to learn from that a bit, that just because a player puts a contract on hold doesn't mean that they're going to leave, and I think the media are too quick at times to jump on players like him. And what about the news surrounding Peter Bell, the suggestions that he could be the new footy boss at the uh, the Fremantle Dockers? Do you think it would be a, a good appointment? They need to do their due diligence, just like they do on any position within that football club. I wouldn't be giving the position to Peter Bell just because of his record on the field. He was a champion player, but he's been out of the game for a long time, has been on the board for the last year and a half, but they need to go through every candidate and decide whether he is the right fit going forward. No doubt he's got a lot of good credentials, but Fremantle are in a position right now where they need somebody with strength to come in, work with Ross Lyon, and rebuild that list. So just a couple of thoughts from mine. Uh, obviously, we, we've you've played with mm. Peter Bell. I, I worked with him previously and know Pete reasonably well. Uh, the sense 
that I get is that he has this undying love for the footy club and he wants it to become a powerful footy club. So I, I don't know. He won't tell me. He's still trapped mm. whether he, he is going for the role or what the situation is. But uh, I get the sense that he, he would be invested to go back there and try and turn the ship around. Now, he said yesterday there will be a formal process to appoint the two football positions and no board members will provide any running commentary. Now, he's not on the committee to appoint the the two mm. football positions. Now, he is the man in charge of football on the board. That's his portfolio. So I would have thought if he wasn't in the running for the position, wouldn't he be on the subcommittee to appoint the new football boss? Potentially, yes. He's not the footy so director just reading, there, though. Peter Mann and also Stephen O'Reilly. No, but he's part of that footy committee. Mm. So I, I would have thought that he would be on that panel, but... That's just me reading between the lines. Yeah, no, that's a good thought there that you have put together. But I just think they need to look at the candidates and there might not be a better candidate than Mm. Peter Bell. But I do know if Neil Baum said, I'm ready for that position, you go with Neil Baum because he's got the runs on the board. Wherever he goes, they win. Collingwood, Geelong, he's been everywhere. Peter Bell has been out of footy for a long time. That's going to be the challenge for him. Good stuff, Hayes. And uh, still more to come here on Off the Bench. We'll look at the West Coast Eagles taking on Collingwood next. Where's it going to be won and lost? Paul Hazelby's thoughts coming up. You're listening to Off the Bench. You certainly are, and time to hone in on the West Coast Eagles taking on the Collingwood Football Club on Saturday night here in the West. Great news for the West Coast Eagles, as we already discussed, with Josh Kennedy and Lewis Jetta back, but some key ins for the Collingwood Football Club. Paul Hazelby, put on your coach's hat, your analysis hat. Where is it going to be won and lost? Oh, look, it can be won in plenty of parts of the ground. We know the Collingwood midfield is very strong. Grundy's the best ruckman in the competition. Trelaw, Pendlebury, Sidebottom, Adams, Phillips. There's a lot of A-graders amongst that group. The West Coast Eagles, I think, are slightly behind in that part of the ground. Of course, Lysett's going to have to have a big game. Yo, Redden, Shuey, Hutchings, Marston and Sheed. They're going to have to step up and try and win their fair share of clearances and inside 50s. But where I do think the Eagles have an advantage is that forward line. I'm loving the way they're playing right now, the Eagles forward line. They've got so many different options. Kennedy comes back in. He'll be good for three or four goals. Jack Darling looks like he's back to his very best. But it's their small forwards and Collingwood have got a number of small forwards as well. But I really like what Jamie Cripps has done in the back half of this season. He's been huge. We talk about Willie Rioli and Liam Ryan giving that X factor. And then, of course, you've got Mark Lacroix, the Frenchman, who just chimes in with one or two goals at the moment. And Barty and Lysett also going in there. Given the understrength backline of Collingwood. I think that's where it will be won and lost. If they can halve the midfield battle, get enough supply into that forward line, I think the West Coast Eagles can do it. Yeah, that's my sense as well. What's a a respectable output from Adam Trelaw given how much footy he's missed with those dual hamstring injuries, which is I love Adam Trelaw. He's one of my my favourites getting around, but it was quite humorous when he went down like he'd been mm. shot in both hamstrings at once but he comes back in what's what's fair from him oh look i think he just needs to play his role i'd say somewhere around 25 possessions not all about the possessions he needs to do the defensive work and i think that's been a big improvement for Collingwood this year that their team defense has been remarkable but he just needs to fit in and try and make sure their structure is very good he is going to a uh, Tracked a bit of attention. I'm not sure who the West Coast Eagles will go to. Maybe somebody like a side bottom, just because of the way that he used the ball. He was the best player or best midfielder against the Fremantle Dockers only two weeks ago. Who gets the job on Mason Cox? Is it one of Barris or one of uh, McGovern? I think it's naturally Barris. He normally locks down on the most dangerous forward, and then 
McGovern gets the second forward and he's allowed to sort of drift across and do what he needs to do. It's a massive matchup. I was really impressed with Mason Cox against Michael Johnson. I thought that battle was brilliant. Cox got the job done and I thought he was better than Michael Johnson. It will go to Tom Barras. He's the one that normally plays a little bit deeper. But what he's actually doing is he's coming out like a centre forward and getting the ball to ground on a lot of occasions. You know, they've got some really good smaller players to go. He's been good. Stevenson's been good. Hoskin Allett, another one. Majacek, I think, will play a defensive role on Jeremy McGovern. A lot of teams have done that in recent weeks with a lot of success, dragging him away from the ball, but also being proactive and trying to kick some goals. And Majacek kicked three against the Fremantle Dockers. The other big matchup, of course, is the ruck battle. Grundy and Lysett. Can Lysett do it? And this is where we're going to find out how much money Scott Lysett is worth. I don't think he's worth anywhere near $800,000 plus. He's up against the very best in Brodie Grundy this week. If he can't at least halve that competition, I'll be looking seriously at the contract offers in front of Scott Lysett. And this is the uh, the one thing that's really impressed me with the uh, the Collingwood Football Club this year is how they've been able to do it by committee. They've kicked a lot of goals through a lot of different sources. So Hoskin Elliott's kicked 40-odd. Uh, so too to Goey. So too... Um, Stevenson. Stevenson. Mason Cox has chimed in. They've just been able to find goals from different sources. So that, that is something the West Coast Eagles will have to be wary of on the weekend. A little bit of waffle chat is up next. Week two of the WAFL finals. We'll discuss that with Paul Hazelby after this. You're listening to Off the Bench. And week two of the Waffle Finals rolls on this weekend. Both games on Sunday afternoon. Uh, one game at 2.15 as Claremont travel up to Arena Joondalup to take on uh, West Perth. And then on Sunday, Subiaco and South Fremantle at 3.10 at Leaderville Oval, the home of the uh, the mighty Fighting Lions. Uh, let's start with the first game, Hayes. Uh, do you think West Perth should be winning this, shouldn't they? Well, no, I'm not sure about that. No, I'm going to go the other way. I think Clement will go in favourites in this one. West Perth were very disappointing. They're a team that grinds away, and so too Clement. They're very good around the ball. Their pressure's been outstanding in the back half of the season. But I'm going to go with Clement. I think their last eight weeks have been as good as any in the competition. They dominated Subiaco, lost by three points. And they've got some good midfielders. Tom Lee was very good in the first final. Kane Mitchell played his 100th game. And, of course, Bolton has been terrific this year. Looks like he may go close to winning the Sandover medal again. But Does he get back mix. on an AFL list? No, I don't think he does. He's, he's just shy of it. I think he's one of those players you could put him on a list and he would obviously play a role. But for how long? And I think sometimes you are better to look at a younger player that might do it for longer than what he would do if he got that opportunity. But no doubt if he got on a list, he would certainly perform. It's just a matter of how much consistency and how long for for mine. There's a player called Marley and Pickett who I, I want to speak about who I think will definitely get on an AFL list, but we'll get back to that uh, a little bit later on. Subiaco taking on South Fremantle. Now, unbelievable season by the Lions. 18 wins, no losses, undefeated for the first time in a WAFL season since 1946. First time a team's done it since 1946 is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I, I think it'll be fascinating to see how much the pressure of that weighs on them throughout the final series. 
the chance to go through a whole year undefeated. Yeah, look, as good as they've been, Subiaco, they've lost the last two finals. And I think that's the number one driving factor here. I don't think the 18-0 and zero really has any impact on the way they're going to play. They do have a great record against South Fremantle. But if you win 18 in a row, it shows you that you don't have a team that gets ahead of themselves. They always put it out there, and they're very good for four quarters. And South Fremantle have come close in a few of their last encounters, but they cannot go with them for four quarters. I think they outwork them. They're harder. They run longer. And I think that's why they'll be beating South Fremantle, who are in some good form at the moment. It has come together for them at the right time. They've got some really good stars through the midfield. Mason Shaw's been awesome, but I just think the work rate of Subiaco beats South Fremantle every time. And Marley and Pickett. Definitely at AFL level next year. It looks that way. Gold Coast Suns are putting a lot of time into him at the moment. I'd be surprised if Fremel and West Coast aren't doing the same. He's been in the waffle system for now five years, and he's improved every year, and he can play everywhere. He can actually play full back, mm. full forward, half back, midfield. Rover. He even started in the ruck as well, and his skills are now at an acceptable level, and I think he's improved his touch. I think that was one of his issues, that he was a little bit of a fumbler, but now since they put him in the midfield, I think that's helped his game. He will be getting drafted, and well done to that man. Yeah, good on him. He'll, he'll join Tim Kelly, and Corey Delulio said during the week that he mm. actually would have more faith in uh, in Marley and Pickett being able to make it at AFL level than he would have with Tim Kelly going in, which is some pretty high praise. Absolutely. I was a little bit astounded at that. We've seen what Tim Kelly's been able to do, but he has been playing good football for three years now, Pickett. His kicking's a little bit of an issue, and as I said before, his cleanliness with his ball handling, but I think he has improved that to an acceptable level this year, which means he could go onto an AFL list and have an impact, not just go on there, have an impact. Gold Coast Suns, as I said, they've met with him a number of times, I think even flown him over there. We'll see how all of that plays out on the weekend. The WAFL finals coming up on Sunday afternoon. More to come, including a look at some of the local footy this weekend and much more here on Off the Bench. You're listening to Off the Bench. Oh, and it's great to have you with us here on Off the Bench. Paul Hazelby and myself, Ben Cameron. And Paul, how about this? Australia Ray had a win over India Ray in a. Uh, well, it says it's listed as an unofficial test, so it's not a test. It's not a first-class match, apparently, either. But we had a win by 98 runs. We made 243 batting first. They made 274. We made 292, and they were all out for 163. So a 98-run win built mainly on the back of Usman Kawaja, who made 127 at the top for Australia. So uh, a very good result for our boys over there in India. It wasn't convincing though, Ben. It was a lot of work done by Usman Kawaja. He made the difference, but it is good to get back on the winners list because this is a team that at the moment has been battling with confidence. We know they've lost some superstars and we've got some good players in the lineup at the moment. We're taking on India A, so it's not their A team by any stretch of the imagination, but to get it in those conditions is a good result and something we can build on going forward. Travis Head, also amongst the runs, looks like he's putting his name forward. Usman Kawaja, you would think think would be named mm. in the first test to take on Pakistan. Well, it is their A team, Hayes. It's not their best team. I understand what you're trying yes, to say. Yes, but we've yeah. got more. Mm. We've got a lot of players who have yeah, played at international We're half-half half at the moment, mm. and that's their B team, to be frank. Absolutely. Uh, the NFL got underway this morning, Hayes, the start of a new season, and uh, a lot of Aussies increasingly over there in the NFL. Uh, Adam Gotsis 
who plays for the Denver Broncos. Jordan Mulata at the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, who are the reigning champs. Jordan Berry, who's a punter. So those first two, not even punters. Uh, Michael Dixon, who's a punter. Lockie Edwards at the New York Jets, another punter. Uh, Cam Johnston, who's making a bit of a run at it. And countless more who are over in the uh, in the college system trying to find their way onto a, an NFL roster. So lots of Aussies out there uh, having a go in the NFL. That is good to hear. Now, Ben, can you explain a bit more to me about what's going over there in the NFL with the Nike ad mm. campaign with Colin Kaepernick, is it? Yeah, Colin Kaepernick. So basically, he's led a protest which has taken place during the anthem, and it's got a lot of the, the country offside. And he's that, not the only one doing it, though. No, a lot of the, mm. the athletes are doing it, and uh, it's got a lot of the returned servicemen offside because they think it's disrespectful to what they sacrificed for the country. And He's basically only good enough to be a backup quarterback. And basically what teams say is, well, for how good you are, you're not worth all of the drama. And that's where the origins of this Nike campaign have come from, that uh, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. Mm. And it's come out that Nike have been paying him, even while he's been uh, basically unemployed, for this moment so that they can run this campaign and get all of the publicity they have. Now, there's been quite a strong negative backlash, but uh, they obviously believe in, in what he is doing and the virtues of what he's trying to uh, to promote, and that's how we find ourselves where we are right now. But if you've seen the ad with Colin Kaepernick, which goes for about three minutes, which has come out uh, come out over the last 48 hours or so, that is the, the backstory, I guess, of it all. Or a clever marketing campaign mm. by Nike. Whilst there has been some backlash, a lot of it is about publicity and they're getting their brand out there again. And they've done this a few times in the past before, going back to the glory days of the great runner, Prefontaine. They obviously used him in a campaign as well. So they've done this before. They know what they're doing. They're very clever. They are very good at, at these sorts of things. Uh, there you have it. That's the latest from the, the Nike campaign, if you were wondering. More to come here on Off the Bench on your Friday, Arvo. Great to have you with us. You're listening to Off the Bench. And a great deal of drama here on Off the Bench because we've had a late change to Paul Hazelby's top five. Now, it got us thinking when you were speaking about Steve Prefontaine. What's the line from the movie, Hayes? Prefontaine in the lead. So it got us thinking, and we've made a change to Paul Hazelby's top five. The top five sporting movies by Paul Hazelby of all time. And the reason we're thinking this might work is because, well, you've got Melbourne and Geelong tonight. Then you've got Sydney and uh, GWS tomorrow. Then you've got the Eagles and Collingwood. Then on Sunday, what on earth are you going to do? Maybe sit down and have a little movie marathon with some of the great sporting movies. So... Your top five, starting with number five, counting down. You're going to go and watch these movies. At number five is the Rocky franchise. Oh, We've yeah. all seen them. They've all played a big part so, in the development of our own lives. Are you just they? counting down Rocky story? 1, Rocky 2, Rocky 3, no, Rocky 4, Rocky 5? We're not going that way because there's probably seven now, mm. eight Rocky Creed. movies. Creed's come out, but what a story that one is. At number four, it's Coach Carter, and I love this movie because it's a basketball movie, but it also represents so much about a athletes wanting to learn as well and he got them all to sign contracts to make sure that it wasn't just about basketball that they had to pass their subjects at school and I think there's a very good message in that at number three million dollar baby Hilary Swank plays the roles mm. of a boxer who's discarded by her family they're not happy they don't want to see her become a boxer and she works with a couple of great actors in that one and obviously Clint Eastwood and Morgan Freeman yep and so ends Clint's up the dying yep. at the end which mm. is quite disappointing at number two <laughs> Moneyball. 
This is a great movie, one that I apply to many sports throughout my work in the media in terms of the Oakland A's, wasn't it? The baseball Mm. team that they created a philosophy around trading players in and out on statistical analysis related to their value. And sometimes the value goes far too much over what they're actually worth statistically. What their output is. Mm. So they just judged it wholly and solely on output. They only looked at the numbers, nothing else, none of the other subjective things that previously recruiters had looked for, and that was how they picked their team. And a number one, and I know this is one of your favourites as well, Ben, so I'm going to get Mm. you to tell us more about it and why it appealed to you, Remember the Titans. Oh, I loved it. It is inspirational as they come. They had the uh, unification of the the black school and the white school, and it just has so many great lines in it, Remember the Titans, when he takes them to Gettysburg, when um, Mm. uh, Julius and... Um, uh, what's the name of the captain? Bertier are arguing, and he says, uh, "He says, man, that's the worst attitude I've ever heard." He said, "Attitude reflect leadership, captain." Yeah, it's, a great line, it's got isn't it? great lines, but you've missed a lot as well, Hayes. Mm. Let me fire some at you that I reckon are very stiff. So, what about Field of Dreams? A very, very good one. Yep. Rudy, a I very inspirational. Rudy. You've got to see yeah, Rudy. Got to go see Rudy on Sunday. Jerry Maguire about yeah, sports all management. About Jerry Show me the money. A little yeah. bit of romance and a little bit of sport. Uh, we've also got things like Caddyshack. Mm. Caddyshack, very unlucky White to miss out. White men can't jump. White men can't jump. Any given Sunday. Yeah. I'm not that big on that, no, but uh, the Sandlot. The that sand was a favourite of mine when I was uh, a young man. The Sandlot kids was. A great movie, and even things like Space Jam, you've missed, uh, what else is there? No, you've lost me, Ben, with your oh. Space Jam. What oh. was the movie where they, Happy Gilmore? they had the team that um, had the plane accident, and they had to rebuild We Are Marshall. That was a good one. Mm. That should have been in the top five. In fact, I'm going to take one out. Rocky, you slide down the list, and We Are Marshall goes in. I'm not happy with Rocky not being in there. Uh, I'm very disappointed. I went to Philadelphia for a day trip last year. You got year. a photo. I didn't get to run up the stairs. It was the one thing I wanted to do. I saw the Liberty Bell. I saw Ben Simmons play, but it was a very quick day trip. I had a steaks, uh, a, a cheese steak, which are famous to mm. Philly, but didn't get to run up the Rocky stairs. Which is I was there a most, statue there? Yeah, there is, with his hands in the air. Didn't get to see it. Not happy with it. There you have it. Paul Hazelby's top five on Off the Bench. You're listening to Off the Bench. And what a time of the year it is, Hayes. You can smell it in the air. You were usually on holidays by this time, but you can really <laughs> smell the finals oh. footy coming up. And, uh, well, we're going to check in with the Oracle, the guru, Joe Georgiades, to find out what is going on in some of the leagues around the place. G'day, Joe. How you going, fellas? And, yeah, three from four last week, and we missed uh, we missed the market rumour result by points, so... It's probably good because we would have won that much money. We wouldn't have to come to work this week, would we, if we got all four up? But, uh, yeah, Margaret River got over South Bunbury by point. And from all reports, South Bunbury had a nice uh, lead going into the last few minutes, but Margaret River got on the top. So high emotion there. Ooh. And uh, they live uh, fight to live another day. So where to this week for some of these teams? And what are some of the big clashes? Oh, there's a few, few rippers... Um, in the Southwest League, so Donnybrook, who finished top, they get to host uh, Bunbury, uh, and that's for a ticket straight into the grand final. So that should be a ripper. Um, we've got Eaton uh, versus Augusta Market River. So Augusta Market River, nothing to lose there, but Eaton coming off a loss to Bunbury last week, they'll be keen to at least win their next final. And there's a few rippers uh, around the southwest of the state. Do you want me to go into them? Absolutely, yeah, we love the southwest. Yeah. Okay. So. 
it's pretty much a man-drum-up affair in the lower southwest. So Dean Mill is through to the grand final, and they'll play either Imps or Tigers. So the Tigers apparently have only won seven or eight games in the last two or three years, but they are on a bit of a roll. So we'd love to see the Tigers win uh, in Manjimup. Uh, but, yeah, Imps probably go in favourites there. Upper Great Southern, we've got a game between Catanin and Boddington. Boddington gets the home ground advantage. Catanin went through the year undefeated. So they've got a guy, a young kid named Cade Stewart, mm. spent a bit of time on Hawthorne's he list. He did. One of South the best country too. footballers I've seen. Yeah, sensational player. So... If Boddington's going to get anywhere near them, they'll have to look at shutting him down, but he's a very handy player. But I'll tip Catanin to go through undefeated. Uh, we've got in the Avon, we've got Calatamon versus Railway. So Railway's knocked off Calatamon, who's won the last two or three grand finals. So Railways will be hoping it's their year this year. So that's going to be a real tight one, I reckon. Can't, can't pick one there. We've got Jinjin versus Del Wallanew in the Mortlock. Um, reckon Jinjin might be a bit too strong. I think Daly's got a few injuries. And there's a really interesting game in the Great Southern. We've got uh, North Albany, who's won the last four grand finals, I think. They actually lost their second semi to um, Railway. So they're going to have to play Mount Barker, who's in really good form. So, again, I would love to see Mount Barker win that one, just, just to mix it up a bit down there. Oh, I love it. I'm really looking forward to Catanning taking on Boddington. They uh, are two teams that uh, don't seem to get on too well and uh, we'll have the Stewart boys or Cade Stewart running around and another South Fremantle product in Jimmy Lorino, the man they call the Snakes, out there uh, getting after the footy on the weekend. So some of your most comprehensive work there, Joe. We love it and we love finals around the state. Good job. Yeah, you've got to sharpen up in September, don't you, fellas? <laughs> you certainly do, and you're right on the ball as always. Uh, Joe Georgiades, a favourite of ours here on Off the Bench. There you have it, Hayes. We're ready for finals footy. Can't wait. Good luck to everybody out there and looking forward to watching the West Coast Eagles taking on Collingwood tomorrow night. Going to be a blockbuster, no matter who you support. Have a great weekend, Hayes. Good job to. once again. And uh, we will see you next week here on Off the Bench, all things going to play. And have a great weekend. We'll see you then. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.